You're listening to the New Life Church Podcast, where we are passionate about helping you connect to your God-given purpose. To learn more about New Life Church, including our service times in Canton, Georgia, visit us online at newlifecanton.com. Well, we are in part six of our extended series, The Greatest Sermon Ever. Somebody told me, if you keep on, this is going to be the longest sermon ever, but uh, anyway. I told you last week that I just felt like we weren't finished yet, and I think there's probably two more sermons that I'm going to do today and finish it up next Sunday, maybe, (laughs) right? Uh, I've made this dumb joke every single week, and I'm just going to continue it to the end. I mean, I just want to be faithful. When I say the greatest sermon ever, I'm not referring to my preaching. I'm not referring to my sermon or this sermon. I hope you enjoy it, but I I definitely am not uh, the best in the world, the best preacher Jesus is. Amen. Come on, somebody. Uh, But last week we talked about, obviously this is the Sermon on the Mount. I missed that part. For your guests, we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. Last week we talked about his teaching concerning the difference between judgment and judgy, being judgy and judging others versus uh, discernment. Discernment. Discernment falls under making a judgment call, but it's a different category than what God does. Amen? And God is the ultimate judge. We don't judge somebody's heart. We don't judge somebody's soul. Only God does that. But we must exercise discernment, especially in the day and age in which we are living. Now, this distinction between the two is a game changer. When we operate out of a critical spirit... That's what Jesus was talking about. When we operate out of this critical spirit, casting negative verdicts about people right and left, we're going to leave a wake of relational chaos behind us. Maybe you've seen that. Maybe you've experienced that. This could be the reason right here. And that is not God's will. One one amen from, from April doesn't count. I'm just kidding. It is not God's will that we live that way. If you missed last week's message or any of the content from this series, you can always go back to our website, newlifecanton.com, and catch up. Today we're going to talk about the very next thing that Jesus covers in Matthew chapter 7. He gives us very practical instructions about prayer. Prayer. Now, earlier in the sermon, he gave in chapter 6... He he gave us an actual prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the most famous prayer of all. And Dr. Rice covered some of that while I was in Thailand. Here, he doesn't give us an actual prayer. Jesus gives us a framework for building a lifestyle of effective prayer. And that's important. Why? Because prayer is the biblical method for communicating with God. It is the biblical method. It's what we've been given. How the Bible teaches us to communicate with a holy God is through prayer. And these instructions on prayer from Matthew 7 are straight from the mouth of Jesus. Do you think they might be important? If you're frustrated with your prayer life, if you're frustrated with the lack of results that you're seeing right now, as I've definitely gone through seasons like that, anybody else? Then today is a day to lean in, listen, 
pay attention because Jesus clearly teaches us a powerful three-level, three-tier pattern. Everybody say pattern. To make our prayer life more effective. Does that sound good to anybody? Unfortunately, most of us stop after level one. We stop, and that's a problem. Today, our subtitle is Keep On. Say, Keep On. Father, thank you so much for the worship today and just our time in your presence. Your presence makes all the difference. Your glory makes all the difference. And I'm so thankful for a church that loves to worship. I'm so thankful for a God that inhabits the praise of his people. And so now as we go into your word, I pray you would open our heart and our mind I pray that it would go deep, challenge us, encourage us, bless us through your word today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Right off the bat, I'm going to give you a point right here. Prayer is foundational to the Christian faith. Amen. Prayer is foundational to the Christian faith. It's through prayer that we invite Christ into our life to begin with, Romans 10, 9, if we confess our sins, I'm sorry, if, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, Jesus from the dead, we would be saved. That's a prayer, confession. It's through prayer that we communicate with God. It's through prayer that we petition God with our needs. It's through prayer that we express our love and our adoration to the Father. If you ever have a hard time praying, go to the Psalms and, 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 and maybe Google uh, pr uh, Psalms about praise and prayer. And you, it'll, it'll give you the words. It'll put the words right there in your mouth. It is through prayer that our relationship with God develops yes. and grows. Yes. Prayer is foundational to our faith. Even if you don't consider your prayer life very strong, can we agree on that statement right there? Amen? But let's be real. We could all get better. We could all be a little more faithful in our prayer life. I'm a pastor. I'm approaching 28 years. It's hard to believe. 28 years of vocational full-time minister. I went looking for a clap, especially with what I'm about to say. And I, I still, I still don't feel like I'm a, sometimes I'm a great prayer. Now don't panic. Your pastor prays. I pray every day. I guard a time. I pray for you every single day. But let me give you a comparison of what I'm talking about. I could read and study the Bible for hours. I mean, I get into the word and hours go by and I'm like, what happened? I mean, I absolutely love the word and love to study. I love to research and to dig in and to go deep. I think you probably sense that from the preaching. And that's, that's actually, though, a spiritual gift. So if you're not wired that way and as I'm saying that, you're going, I'm in trouble. Because, I mean, I'm, you know, when I read, it's, I'm trying to stay awake. It's, it's hard for me. Or it's, it's, the Bible's difficult for me. It's a spirit. We all have our gifts. We all have our gifts. And some of you are gifted to intercede. You are a gift. I mean, it's the same thing with me in the Word. You get lost in it. 
And, you know, hours, minutes, hours go by and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't even, anybody gifted like that? Anybody gifted to intercede? Come on, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Raise your hand. Yeah, we don't like you very much. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Come on. I'm just, really, I am just kidding. And if you raised your hands to that, you need to see this couple right here, Agnes and Ferdinand. Ferdinand is one of our elders. They lead our prayer team and we need you. Amen. They meet every Sunday morning at what time? 8.15. One said 8, one said 8.15. We'll see. show up in between, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> that would be wonderful. But we all have our gifts. You've heard me teach that. You've heard me teach, if you've been here, about the motivational gifts. But just because I may not be gifted at intercession, does that mean I get a pass on praying? Just because if you're not gifted to study the Bible, does that mean you should never read it? No, no. That's why they are called spiritual disciplines. If you want to get your physical body in shape like mine, why why are y'all laughing every time I do that? You have to exercise. You have to do something. You have to be disciplined. You have to go to the gym. You have to eat right, whether you want to or not. If you want the result, you've got to do the discipline. Somebody say amen or oh me. (laughs) We don't use our personality. We don't use our gift or lack thereof as an excuse to avoid godly disciplines like prayer. Because here's the bottom line. Prayer works. Prayer works. I've seen the evidence all my life. I think one of the first times it really just jumped out to me, the power of prayer, was in high school. Uh, I was a senior in high school. I was 17 years old. I was already saved. I was already on my way into ministry. I already felt like I was called by God into ministry at that time. But during that period of time, I made some, shall we say, unique friends. I called them the flower children. And, 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 and I taught piano at the time, and there was a couple of them that wanted to learn. There was about six of them, and a couple of them wanted to learn how to play the piano, and that was my end. And I, I, let's just say they like their um, recreational vegetation. We'll just, we'll just say that to be PG, um, right? Are you with me? I did not participate in their recreation, but they didn't care because our relationship was authentic. It was real. And they were important to me. They were my friends. And towards the end of that year, none of them knew the Lord. And I wrote their name down, their names down, and I can see it in my mind. One of those little legal pads, yellow legal pads. I wrote all their names down and I began to pray for them every day by name that they would give their heart to the Lord. Well, that whole year went by. None of them did. I I took that little, same little notebook paper. It was all rough now and kind of wrinkled. And I took it into my first year of college and I laid it on my dorm desk. And so that I would remember every day to pray for them. Some days were very quick on the way to an eight o'clock class, right? And then I was gone. I thank God. Anyway, 
This was before the internet. This was before cell phones, definitely before Facebook and keeping in touch with all these people that we have in our past now. But one by one, I began getting word about my unique flower children friends giving their heart to the Lord. And a few months that same year, all six of them had given their heart to the Lord. God had answered. Prayer works. Especially when it's, we know it's the heart of God. You know, it was the heart. I think that stood out to me so much because it was in black and white. I mean, it was a list, y'all, and I could check off and see it was measurable. And God had answered my prayer. Prayer works. Oh, thank you, brother. James 5.16 says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Do you know that we qualify? That word righteous is like, ooh, but I'm not very righteous. No, you're not in and of yourself. But if you belong to Jesus, you qualify for this because of his blood. And James is letting us know that the earnest prayer has the potential for great power and wonderful results. Why wouldn't we want to get in on that? Matthew 7 gives us the pattern to fulfill an earnest prayer. These are instructions, y'all, from God in the flesh. This is teaching about prayer from the walking, talking word of the living God. Have I built this up enough? Because I can go more. Let's go. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 7, I'm in the New Living, and that's actually very important today that I'm in that translation. It says, keep on. Say, keep on. That's our sermon title. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. Now, this is an example where translation can really help. In most English translations, probably yours and the ones we grew up with, and there's nothing, it's actually correct, literal, the literal translation, ask, seek, and knock. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Ask and you'll be given, seek and you will find. The problem is in our English thinking minds, that sounds like a one-off. In other words, I ask one time. I seek one time. I knock one time and then I'm finished. But that's not what Jesus was saying here. In the Greek, Jesus uses words that are in the present active tense. So the NLT helps us very much by clearing that up, by just saying keep on because that's what Jesus was saying. He was saying keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. It's not one and done. Jesus is speaking to persistence. Jesus is speaking to a lifestyle of prayer. Jesus is giving us a pattern for effective prayer, for earnest prayer. Now, this isn't everything the Bible teaches about prayer. It's not, it's not the whole thing. But in these verses, Jesus gives us three important levels Listen, listen, that when we combine them with the other teachings in the word, we come away with something very powerful. 
Very powerful. But the big idea of this verse that I want us to remember is that prayer is not always one and done. Earnest prayer that produces wonderful results is prayer that keeps on asking, keeps on seeking, keeps on knocking. Are you with me? In the next few verses, Jesus unpacks what he's talking about. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Time out. Oh, pastor, then I'll just ask for a million dollars. And it says I'll receive. Context! What did I just say? You, have to, you can't lift this one verse out and that be it. Or you fall into error and it happens all the time. You end up with crazy stuff and, and preachers doing crazy things. That's right. You can't lift that out of context. You have to, again, put it with the other teachings to understand. So let's start with the first level that Jesus gives us. Number one is asking. Asking. This is where prayer begins. This is where prayer begins. We ask, listen, we ask God for what we think we need. And I say think because sometimes we are wrong. We'll talk more about that one at the end. But we start with a felt need. We start with an issue, don't we? A problem, a situation. It could be finances. It could be relational issue. It could be work related. It could be our health. It could be with our kids. You fill in the blank. We got plenty of those, right? There's a felt need, and so we ask God for help. Here's the problem. Most of us never get past this level. We pray. We ask And then if nothing happens, we let it go and we try to manipulate it and do it on our own. And that doesn't ever work out very well. And then if we continue in that pattern of not going past that, it hurts our faith. It damages our faith. Am I preaching? Now, I'm not talking. Let me let me do a little side note. I'm not talking about earning something from God. I'm not talking about gaining God's favor through human effort. Grace begins and ends with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about submitting to a sacred pattern that God has established in his word for prayer. I'm talking about humility, humbling ourselves before a mighty God. I'm talking about obedience to God's instructions. And we don't always do well with following instructions. Especially us men. Oh, no. All right, Artina. One amen is good. About a year ago, I went and bought patio furniture for the porch. Why in the world can you not go buy a piece of furniture that is a piece of furniture that's already put together? I would rather rent a box truck then put some of this stuff together. I think these engineers who put this, who sit around a table and go, how can we make this ridiculously stupid to put this thing together? So I open the box and it's all, all over the place, but there's a picture. That's all you need. It's a picture. 
I opened the manual, the instruction, and it looks, it looks like a, I mean, I'm like, no, it's a picture. So here I go, putting this, this thing together. It's a rocker, so there's a lot of moving things. And I'm, I'm, I'm an hour into it, and I'm like, that don't look like the picture. I, I had to go take everything back apart and start over with the instructions. Lord have mercy. So how we ask, how we ask is important. We need to know and follow the instructions that are right here in how we, and fortunately there's no shortage of instructions on how we should ask. First John 5.14, John says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. He's talking about prayer. He says that if we ask, there's our word, anything Give me a million dollars. Oh, why do you want a million dollars? Well, um, I was going to give it to the church. No, you were not. <laughs> you weren't even going to tithe it. Because $100,000 is like, whoa. I started to say something else, but I'm going to reserve that. <laughs> According to his will, he hears us. James 4, 3, when you ask, there's our word again, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Ouch. If God, listen, listen, if God answered my prayer that was made out of a wrong motivation and he answered, he said yes to that prayer, that would be reinforcing poor behavior, poor it's like parenting. We would never do that. Why would we do that? Why would you want to reinforce bad behavior from your children? You wouldn't. And neither would God. It's actually, listen, it's actually a grace when he says no to these kind of prayers. If we desire to approach God with confidence that we will be heard, we must learn to restrain our hearts from asking for things that are not agreeable to his will. We can know what that is even before we ask if we know the word of God. We'll get more into that. Everybody, everybody look at me. God is always moving. God is always speaking. God is always blessing. God is always answering. But if he's moving over there, and I'm digging my heels in over here and I'm resisting his pattern over here and I'm trying to do it my own way over here and he's pouring it out over there. I'm not in the position to receive anything. Earnest prayer aligns us with God's will. You may start out in the asking process and the seeking process over here where nothing's happening and you're praying left field prayers, 
that are not God's will, that are in the wrong motivation. But as you continue to ask, as you continue to offer earnest prayer and seek God, it's amazing if you'll submit how he begins to move you over to where you need to be until you are aligned with his will. And when you begin to pray his will, it will be done. Come on, no devil in hell can steal it. No devil in hell can stop it. No doctor's report can cancel it. No financial statement can ruin it. No person can steal it. God's will is the most powerful force in the universe. So when we start praying in alignment with his will, then watch out because good things are about to happen. Is that good for anybody else? So, Pastor, how do we know what to ask for? Well, I think that's the second level, seeking. Seeking. Jesus instructs us to keep on seeking, and you will find. To seek for something is to search for something. In the context of this passage, I believe we are seeking for God's perfect will. Not as permissive will. I've had enough of that. Oh, that'll preach. Lord, I want his perfect will. God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is perfect. Have you ever felt like God's will for your life seemed to be lost? From your groans, then I, I take that as a yes. You simply did not know what to do, where to go, what to ask for. It becomes a search for something that feels lost. I've been there. I've been there since I've been the pastor of this church. Is that too much information? A simple little lay me down to sleep prayer is not going to get it. A one and done is not going to get it. A one off is not going to get it. We need to seek. And that could mean a wrestling match. Pastor, you've lost your mind. What are you talking about? Come on. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. When Jacob wrestled with God at Peniel in the Old Testament, he wasn't just wrestling with God. You know that. He was wrestling with himself. He was wrestling with his past. He was wrestling with his name that meant deceiver, supplanter. He was wrestling with what had been spoken over him. But as the night wore on, he began fighting for a new identity. He was seeking God for a new name, and he was not going to let go. He was not going to stop until he got it. If you're not happy with how things are going, number one, you're not alone. If you're not pleased with who you are right now, if you're not satisfied with the direction your life is taking, then I believe you need to seek God with all your heart. I believe you need to face, not sweep under, but face the darkest 
corners of your life. I believe you need to fight for a new name in God. And if the answer doesn't come right away, you need to keep on seeking. You need to keep on praying. You need to keep on wrestling until it does. Give him praise if you believe it. Come on. Seeking the heart of God may include fasting. It may include crucifying your flesh every day. And it may include prolonged seasons of prayer, persistence in prayer. Here's the deal, though. Don't give up. Don't let go. Don't step away. There's too much on the line. Most of you know it's not just your soul on the line. It's not just your life on the line. We can't stop seeking until we know his will. And do you know, there will be, he's, he's gracious, there will be confirmation of that. Yes. You may read something in scripture that confirms it. There may be a friend that says something off the wall that to them, but to you it was like, that's what I needed. You may hear something from the pulpit, boom, right? Maybe you're here having that experience right now. God is faithful to confirm his word and confirm his will and then we can go, here's, here's the cool thing. When we have that confirmation of his will, we can go back to number one and ask again. But now we can ask with confidence. Why? Because we know we're praying according to God's will. And his will will be done. Does that make sense? Let's look at the final word. Number three is knocking. When you knock on something, what are you usually knocking on? A door. Think about a door in most situations. A door that you're having to knock on. Requires some kind of inv invitation. Oh, that's good. I didn't have that in my notes. If you're going into a mall, you're not knocking. That's a public place. God, that's good preaching right there. Holy cow. That's not, not even anywhere in my notes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You have a knock on a door, you're going into more of a private place. Man, somebody write that down. A door that you have to knock on is something that's standing in the way of where you are and where you want to be. It's standing between you and your destination. Yes. There's too many of us standing on the threshold. Come on. We've given up. Come on. Your destiny in God is not in the doorway. Come on. Your destiny with God is not to remain on the threshold. Your destiny with God is on the inside where the good stuff is. Come on. That's good preaching. Hallelujah. Knocking in the context of prayer is to persevere in spite of hindrances. Yes. In other words, look at the screen. Knocking is petitioning God to remove all obstacles standing in the way of your answer. What obstacles, pastor? <laughs> How much time we got? Right? You got, my, you got yours, I got my list. 
Let me give you some examples. What about negativity? The obstacle of negativity from people who may mean well. What about seemingly impossible situations or circumstances that stand in the way of what you know God has put in your heart to do? Maybe it's a business idea. Maybe it's a ministry idea. Maybe it's goals with your family, things that you know God has put in your heart, but these obstacles are keeping you from it. What about a bad prognosis from the doctor for you or for somebody else that you love? What about the constant tension that might be in your family right now? Tension with your kids, tension with your parents, tension uh, with your spouse, perhaps. What about the ever-present struggle to just pay bills and make ends meet week to week to week to week? Do I need to go on? Come on, we all got them. You fill in the blank. Life is full of obstacles. The question is, what are we going to do with them? Because God has equipped us to deal with them. God has filled us with his spirit. God has given us a destiny. God has spoken life over us. What are we going to do? Do we knock one time and give up? Oh, well, I guess he's not home. (laughs) Do we get mad at God? He's, he's 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 a big boy. He can handle it. I'd be careful. Fear of the Lord is real. He is a righteous, holy God. But he can handle when we get frustrated. Do we turn away with disgust? Or do we try to pry the door open or kick it down ourselves? Oh, Jesus, help us. In verse 7, Jesus said, back in the beginning, Jesus said, knock and the door will be opened to or for you. <laughs> when we pry the door open on our own or kick it down on our own, what are we actually doing? Think about it in terms of a, of a neighbor. You go over and you knock on the door and they're like, they, they're, they're too slow in answering the door and you kick the door open. What are you doing? You're breaking and entering. When we kick doors down in our life, it is violating God's will. And that's not going to turn out well. Or do we keep on knocking until the door is opened to us? Or, oh no. Or until the Holy Spirit speaks and says, what's behind this door is not for you. At least not yet. I've told this before, but our congregation changes all the time. Years and years ago, I was in real estate in addition to being a full-time minister. I was flipping houses and doing things like that and was having fun with it until the Great Recession, (laughs) 07. And there was a piece of property in a, a lot in a uh, subdivision that I had been working in, doing some stuff in successfully. This lot wasn't the best, and I was getting plenty of advice saying, things are slowing down, Alan. Be careful. The lot's not great anyway, so you may get stuck with it. And I plowed through, I kicked the door down, I built the house, I got stuck with it and almost lost everything. 
Many of you, if I gave you a mic, you could tell a similar story about what happens when we kick doors down that aren't opened to us. In this teaching, Jesus is providing us a three-level pattern for effective prayer. James calls it earnest prayer, asking, seeking, knocking. And then in verses 9 through 11, Jesus reassures us that we will be heard and that we will be taken care of. Aren't you glad for that? Verse 9 says, you parents, if if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone? If they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. Of course not. So as we close, let's consider the opposite of this, what this passage, the converse of what this passage is saying. Here's what I mean. Sometimes we think we're asking for bread. Sometimes we think we're asking for a fish, which are basic needs. That's what what he's saying. Those are basic needs, basic provisions. But God knows that we're actually asking for a snake. And he says, no. How many of you Gen X and boomers would admit to remembering the Garth Brooks song, Unanswered Prayers? So theologically, not the correct, not real strong. I'm going to, this is, that's the, that's the chorus that came to my mind when I was writing this. I'm weird. I don't, not even a Garth Brooks fan. Don't, don't throw anything at me. But look at the chorus to this song. It says, Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, not strong theological position for that, okay? And just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care, grammatically incorrect. (laughs) Because some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Now, for the believer, God answers every prayer. So I'll just clear that theology up real quick. But we know what he means, don't we? It means no. It means we thank God for the no's that we desperately wanted, desperately were praying for, thought they were fish, thought it was bread, but it was actually a snake, and God said no. Verse 11, so if you sinful people know how, to give good gifts to your children, how much more, say that with me, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Now this last verse is showing us the heart, the true heart of our father. Unlike us and most people, God is not stingy at all. God is not selfish in any way. He is perfect and loving and kind. God the Father, he wants nothing more than to give you good gifts. He really does. Jesus is saying that if sinful, he says sinful people, or he means, he means just people, right? If, if regular people can give basic provisions to their children, bread and fish, that's what they represent, how much more will our heavenly Father good give, give good gifts to us? And here's what I know. God's good gifts are way better than any gift I could receive from this world. God's good gifts are way better than anything I can try to produce on my own. 
How much more means God is planning for you. God is intentional. It means that God is desiring to bless you far above what we could ever even ask or think or imagine, Ephesians 3.20. Here's the last thing, all right? We'll be done. This is important, though. I added this late in the game. So Jesus has given us this pattern, right, for prayer. Ask, seek, knock. Everybody look at me. But he doesn't want it to become mechanical. He doesn't want it to be like a magical list or an ingredients that we check off. Well, I asked, I saw it. That's not, he wants all of it, all of it to be done in the context of relationship. Not religion, not to do's, do's and don'ts. Relationship because he's a loving father, not a task master. Not a slave driver, a loving father. So I want you to remember that, please. And see, as we get to know our father more and more in this relationship, as we deepen that relationship with him through this pattern of prayer, we'll find ourselves closer and closer to his heart. And as we draw closer and learn his heart, guess what? We're going to begin to pray accordingly. And as we begin to get closer and draw to his heart and learn his heart, we're going to find ourselves more often praying the perfect will of our Father. And when we pray the will of our Father, there is nothing on this world or under this world or in heaven anywhere that can stop it. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, give him praise. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Would you bow your heads? If you were challenged and are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you find us. To experience other messages, videos, and live events, visit us online at newlifecanton.com. And again, thank you for listening to the New Life Church Podcast.